Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks so much for tuning in to this podcast. You're listening to Overcoming Mental Health Challenges. I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Mr. Health Coach Ev. If you guys haven't listened to the first podcast yet, I would advise you go tune into that. Whatever platform you're listening to this on, you can just simply click the back button and go check out um, that first one. It'll kind of give you some more context into what we're doing here. But the short, sweet, to the point kind of summary is we are interviewing real people with real stories about mental health and real resolutions to those stories. I am a professional speaker for a company called Minding Your Mind. I share my story, uh, my own battle with mental health very frequently. And I have realized the power in an individual getting vulnerable and having the courage to speak up about what they went through. There is absolutely no right or wrong way to tell someone's story as long as it's from the heart. And it's so impactful for other people when they hear from someone else, you know, oh, I'm not alone in all this stuff. Someone else is dealing with these issues as well. One of the major things for me when I was younger, because I dealt with mental health issues for the majority of my childhood and teenage years, is I thought I was alone and I thought I was crazy. I didn't know the stats on this stuff. I didn't know that 25% of people between 5 and 18 uh, this year alone will suffer with a diagnosable mental health issue. And out of that 25%, unfortunately, 80% of those people are not going to get help or speak up about those issues. So 80% are going to continue to suffer in silence. So my point in starting this podcast is very similar to the reason that I speak for a company called Minding Your Mind. And very similar to their uh, overall message and kind of purpose and their, um, you know, company's goal is to encourage other people to get help through individuals sharing their own stories. So technically, this is the second podcast that we've done, the second podcast episode, but I really feel like it's the first one because this is the first time that we actually have an interviewee. If you go back to that first one, it's pretty much just me talking. And I mean, I'm okay to listen to, but I think it's much better to get other people involved. So we have today um, absolute firecracker woman. She has dealt with some very serious things and was willing to come on here and share them today. And she's really turned stuff around in an awesome way. I'm going to let her touch more on this, but she does have a magazine right now, which we're going to shout out, which helps um, kind of do exactly what we're doing here. It brings a spotlight to people that are dealing with this stuff and want to share their stories and helps reduce the stigma on what people are going through. So her name is Autumn Farr. I want her to talk more about herself than me. So Autumn, are you there? I'm there, Evan. Oh my gosh. Hi. (laughs) Autumn is out in San Francisco. I'm out in PA. So guys, we apologize if there's any issues with the audio, but um, Autumn is too cool not to have on this thing. So I really want to just dive in right away. I kind of like to, you know, Autumn knows me. I like to skip the formalities and just jump into the important stuff. So Autumn, on like a totally just positive side of things and just like, I guess, normal side of things, what were you like as a kid? Because you're 21 now, correct? Correct. I am. Okay. So what was (laughs) little Autumn like? Little Autumn, I guess you can say it's cool. Just like a little Um, (laughs) e-dog. But um, as a child, I was very shy, very reserved, which I still am reserved but a lot more so then than I am now. Um, I didn't talk to many people. I always hung up on myself. I read tons of books. I kind of just used that as a way to, almost like my social media, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm, So um, 
that that was pretty much my life. I was really and still am very smart. I love school at the time. Um, but I started to, at the age of six, go through a little trauma, I guess you can say. And as mm-hmm. you know, when someone is going through anything that trauma is different for every person. So two people can get in a car accident, but one person can come out fine and the other person can have PTSD. And um, for me, I went through some emotional and physical abuse um, from being watched by my grandparents. I kind of just jumped in there, but hey. That's okay. That was kind of the next thing. And I actually, this is why I'm so happy to have you on because I knew you were going to drop nuggets. I just didn't know you were going to do it like the first few minutes. Uh, What you just touched on with the way people experience and perceive different traumas differently um, or the same traumas differently is so true. And one of the things that I'm actually really big on getting across, but you said it in a more articulate way than I normally do. Cause a lot of people ask, right. They're like, Oh, why can't someone get over that? Or aren't they being overdramatic? I mean, this is a million dollar question in science and in psychology is how can we figure out, you know, especially if there's like a genetic component, I'm sure there is, why one person can go through seemingly the exact same thing as someone else. And, you know, I mean, just to go to extremes, we've all heard about people uh, maybe suffering, uh, you know, kind of maybe a major loss when they were younger, right? And unfortunately, one ends up homeless and possibly using drugs. And another one goes on to be a pro sports player or top business entrepreneur. I mean, that's a million dollar question, right? And we need to understand that just because, there's these different paths. There is choice and there is personal responsibility in all these things. However, the way people, especially when we're kids, young adults, um, the way we perceive things is so unique and has such a big impact on how our life turns out. So I think that's really kind of cool that you touched on that. But um, I mean, yeah, we can jump right into that because my next kind of question was, you know, when and how did the issues with mental health begin? So I'll kind of just give you uh, the floor. Well, thank you. You have a great voice, by the way. Very thank you. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I should do a voice. podcast. I know. <laughs> um, so for me, mental the mental health type of issue, I guess you can say, started um, with something that I didn't really know. Of course, I don't think anyone knows at the time that what you're going through could cause you to, in the future, if it's not handled, um, experience anxiety and mm-hmm just tons of different symptoms and for some people, even disorders. Um, so for me, when I was six, my, um, my long story, my, my elementary school shut down. I had to move and go to a different school. And with that, I had to um, just be watched by my great grandparents and my great grandpa at the time actually remarried. And so it's like a step great grandma, I guess you can say. And mm-hmm. my, my family, um, not all of my family, but my mom did have me have a very, she had me at a very young age. So my great grandpa was still alive and is still alive. Sure. Um, so with that, um, I was watched by them, someone who you think will protect you and love you. And um, I think that they did that to their best ability, I feel. It's just that with that, I had a cousin who came from my grandfather's, my great grandfather's wife her granddaughter so however you guys want to piece that together (laughs) just do that (laughs) anyways I would just call her my cousin that's what I was taught to anyways 
And um, I would have to be watched by them just because my mom worked in real estate. And so she, you know, long hours and really devoted, really loving woman. Um, So I uh, didn't know that as I'm being watched by them, I would literally every single day and maybe only four times a week, every time I'd go to school, I would get physically beat up, like beat up um, by my cousin or just, and emotionally on top of that, usually those go hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. And I just really didn't know why. I mean, I was a very good child. Like I didn't do anything wrong. And we're around, my cousin and I are about two, three years apart. So it's not like it's someone who's an adult or anything. It's just someone who's my own age. Sure. And for a while, I actually thought that maybe this isn't abuse because it's someone who's around my age, but that does not make it any different um some people abuse is abuse it doesn't matter if that person's younger than you or if they're older than you doing it to you it's still abuse so never try to downplay your story um for other people out there mm-hmm. but um yeah so i would just in the softest way i can say this just get beat up all the time by her and i think it was jealousy whenever i would get complimented um by like looks or if it was like grades then i would literally get like a punch or a couple punches. And the craziest thing is that when I had the, this was going on for years. So until I was nine, so about three years straight um, school years, and I never missed school at that time. So this was consecutive, um, which could, which could develop complex PTSD because that's when it's just something that's all the time. And you kind of feel like you can't escape it because this is who is watching me. Mm-hmm. And um, I told my mom what was happening when I finally had the courage to do so. And I felt like I'm finally like someone's saving me. Yay. You know, right? And, um, that didn't happen. My mother was actually also scared of my grandfather's new wife. So um, nothing was done. Just basically, you know, just defend yourself or say something back to her, you know, and I don't think that she knew the severity of the issue. Um, and I just, one day I did fight back when she said that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and everything's going to stop and it's going to be amazing. And it didn't, it got worse. And so I just stopped from there and pretty much my, our brains are so powerful, you guys. And I know that you know this, Evan. Um, so there is a difference between um, a repressed memory and a suppressed memory. Um, legally people think that it's just kind of, there's like a whole debate behind it, but basically my brain has suppressed those memories. So just as a defense mechanism, because of the fact that I have told someone who I love, my mother, who's supposed to be there to protect me and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandparents knew also that she was doing this to me all the time. Um, my brain decided to just, let's just survive this and deal with it. And so we're just going to go through it, but we're going to suppress the memory. So I actually, I know that I was being beaten every single day. And some days if she wasn't there, just so happened to not be there when they're watching me, then maybe it wasn't that day. Or maybe, maybe um, my aunts who were six months apart, like I said, my, my mom and my grandma, they kind of had kids at a young age. So right. the age difference 
really weird. But um, sometimes she would be there, and sometimes the this sounds so twisted, but sometimes I guess the beatings were is um, evenly distributed, so I wouldn't <laughs> so I wouldn't get hit as much. So I was like, okay, good, good day. I only got punched a couple times. Great, right, we're doing right. good. And um, so, anyways, oh, a little off track there, but um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, do your thing. Uh, to to cope with this because I felt like there was no out. And it's crazy because when you're older, you start to realize the things that you went through is considered trauma. But as you're going through it as a child, you know, I didn't know about mental health. So I just, I don't know. I just guess I thought it was just something I'm going through and it's okay. And so my brain suppressed the memory, which means that it is instead of repress where you're consciously forgetting, um, suppressing a memory is when you're unconsciously just forgetting that memory. Um, as a defense mechanism. So I actually know that I was hit very, very, very often consecutively, but I cannot tell someone what exactly, like how I was hit. Like if I have an, um, a visual flashback, I can't actually see a hit. It's weird. I know it sounds off and I'm not lying when I say this. I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone uh, would think that. I mean, obviously, when you're in a situation like that, there's no logic behind that, right? Because you're trying to figure out why is this happening? Why are the people that you just said, you know, that are supposed to be there and keep me safe, allowing this to happen or causing this to happen? So I don't, I don't think anyone would assume that at all. I think that actually makes perfect sense because if the brain is going through this pain and it can't rationalize or use any logic to figure out what's going on. I mean, what else can it really do except, you know, exactly what you just said. So. Yeah. Um, just five basically. Right. So, um, yeah. So I can't pinpoint an actual hit. I don't remember a hit, but I know I was hit all the time, but I cannot visually see those hits. Um, other things in my life, like just if you're hit with like a, a baseball, whatever, like I can remember that I can see it all yeah. of that, but just, in that time frame, I, I don't remember that. Um, but I know that I was hit all the time because I was the fear, the emotional flashback is there, just not the visual. And sometimes what our brain tends to do it, it just um, breaks up in fragments. And so some people get visual flashbacks. Some people get um, auditory flashbacks, I guess you can say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just everyone's different, but that's for me, emotional. And um, even when I actually hear certain songs or if I see a certain show, um, just because this is my childhood. So we would like watch Disney shows and I would listen to this one. I, it's like Big, Big Bear and the Blue House, some, some weird yeah, yeah, show. I, that's so- weird. Oh. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't put my finger on it either. There's definitely something with the big house. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, I hate that show. (laughs) So uh, I would not watch it. And um, the theme song really just brings back really horrible feelings for me that I don't want to like, just go like, I don't want to go in. Not that I don't want to go into it. It's just that I wouldn't want to have someone play that. And just, I don't know what, how I would react to it. I've never opened that part. Got it. I mean, you really, shouldn't have to uh you know i think that's totally fair Uh, the one thing i want to make clear because 
this is your mental health is so multifaceted and anyone that has dealt with that um, or this stuff understands that there are dramatic differences in, you know, personality disorders versus mood disorders versus uh, self-harm disorders, things like that. And it's literally like comparing, you know, cancer to an autoimmune disease or something. I mean, those are two physical things, but they can lead to very different outcomes for the person. I think mental health is totally the same. So what you're saying with me with, um, you know, even the repressed stuff, even if someone, even as someone, excuse me, who's relatively educated on this stuff is, I mean, this is still somewhat new to me. So I want to make sure it's clear to the listeners. Are you uh, saying that? So can you, you're personally remembering this stuff, just not in the full way that someone would make a normal memory or did someone inform you that this is what happened after you were informed, then part of that memory came back? No. So I actually know that everything happened to me. Like I do, I know that I was consecutively beat up all the time. Okay. Um, It's weird because I, I, like, I do know it happened to me, but I don't actually be, the full flashback of someone hitting you. Like some people can get, I'm pretty sure some people can remember every punch um, when they're getting beat up. I know from my own, with my own company magazine, when someone's explaining to me their story, they can, they say that things happened in slow motion and they remember everything of their assault where there's right. a sexual assault or however it is, they remember everything was in slow motion. But for me, when it comes to the part of the assault now beforehand, I do remember it. So the things that happened before that, but as the assault is happening, I, it's just not there. Okay. Um, All right. So that's, that's suppressed just because it's something that I unconsciously did. It's, and it's something that I am not hiding, which would be repressed. So you're just kind of like, just consciously, I don't really want to speak on that. Like that kind of thing. Right. Like this is just lost. Like it's just consciously lost. Yeah. And the thing is, is that what the brain does, our, our minds are so powerful. Um, I believe if I'm wrong, someone tell me, but if you are experiencing high levels of cortisol, Mm -hmm. the brain does this thing where it does, I don't know the exact parts it could like kind of, I guess you could say trigger, but you will start to suppress things like the memory part. It's really odd, but if you're under a lot of stress, then it just, that does happen. Wow. Okay. I didn't even, that makes total sense that that would happen. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a total uh, nerd with that stuff. I don't understand fully that mechanism that you're describing, but I'm going to look into that because that totally kind of makes sense. The only way I can even relate is that what happened, you know, part of my story is I, I got into this physical altercation and it was one of, I felt out of control and I started it. It was completely my fault, but even though I take personal responsibility for it, I simultaneously acknowledge that I did not consciously choose to do that. And the thing that scares me is that to this day, um, I don't remember what happened. Like I can't, just like you said, like I know it happened. Um, I even know that I remember at one time and I don't know if you would call that, is that like repressed then? Because I know I remembered at one time and now I truly don't. I mean, would you say that's kind of what that is? I almost think it's, somewhat suppressed I'm not a mental health professional in that way but I sure it sounds like suppressed it's just that when you're experiencing so much like whether it's stress um it's just really heightened your cortisol is just heightened like to the max Mm -hmm. you just don't 
remember that kind of thing. And a lot of people use that, the fact that they know that to their advantage. And so it's used in court a lot as like an excuse for killing someone. Oh, I just didn't remember because my cortisol was so high and wow. my brain did Yeah. And it's like, it's wrong for people to, you know, just abuse that because it really does happen. Um, but, you know, I guess that's how it goes. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, unfortunate because it is, I mean, these are tough things, right? They, they are very tough things because we don't even fully understand them. Um, everyone's going to go through them differently. And then we have to decide, right, is someone still personally responsible if they don't remember stuff like that? But I was just asking that because, yeah, I was trying to relate it because it is, I, I didn't want you to, you know, I, you said like, hey, I'm definitely not lying. And I, I just feel like you shouldn't even have to justify that. I think, honestly, a lot more people, not to your exact story, but in terms of this stuff where we have parts of our life where I, I mean, I have parts of my life that are in both where there's that hyper focus and I can remember everything in such vivid detail. And it went through that like adrenaline slow-mo. And then there was those other times where my brain tuned out because it just wasn't able to deal with, um, you know, what was going on. So when you, you kind of said, you know, at some point you realized, Hey, you need, you needed to talk um, to your mom and say, Hey, uh, you know, this is what's going on. I mean, how long did this go on for and how did this eventually end? Because, I mean, I, I'm hopefully now I, I know you well enough. I mean, this is not continuing, obviously. Right. So when was the right. point that this was enough and, and this finally was over? Well, the sad thing is that after I told her that it kept going for a couple of years, um, happened for three years consecutively and then I uh it only stopped because my grandparents moved therefore my mom didn't have anyone to watch me okay so instead she just got a babysitter and even with that I that's when the um actual mental health symptoms started to pop up besides being anxious to going to like the home that you're being abused in um that's when I actually would like get really just yeah paranoia I guess you can say okay so I was being watched by someone else when I first got in. I was like, okay, like hopefully I don't get beat up this time and hopefully everything's okay. Hopefully no one hates me. Hopefully no one's going to be jealous. Hopefully I'll just be okay. And um, it really sucks to think like that. I was only 10. No, like not. I was nine and a half, 10. And I'm thinking that way. Um, and uh, yeah, it kind of really did suck. And then of course, like I said, that's when the symptoms were coming in just because you kind of, you dealt with all of the trauma and your brain protected you and things like that. And now you have to deal with the aftermath because sure. you can't something, you know, it's still gonna, it's almost like it just is swept under the rug and it's going to pop up somehow. And so, um, then I was just severely didn't know why I had loved school, but I just started to hate school and I was really suicidal and depressed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why. I just kind of thought it was, I don't know. I, I don't know why I, I didn't put reasoning. I just felt that way. And um, just really sucked, I guess. I know I said that so many times, no, but I'm just like thinking over and, and it does suck. Um, so anyways, when I turned 11, my grandparents wanted me to visit them in Texas and I had been away from them for a while. Um, I would visit around the holidays, though, along with my cousin. When she didn't hit me during those times, I mean, maybe occasionally, but nothing too bad, just because uh, she wouldn't do that if adults were around. So, mm-hmm. um, 
around 11, they wanted me to stay with them for the summer in Texas. And I didn't say no to my mother because I was scared that if I said no, and then it, the word got back to my grandparents, then they would tell my cousin and she would be pissed off and try to beat me up. And so I was like, okay, I'll just go. Basically making your abuser, abuser happy. Right, um, right. And uh, I went and of course I was beat up all the time. And like I said, anytime it was just the hits. I don't, it's, I do not remember them. I don't, I can't like, some people have body memories. I don't have that. Not that everyone gets it, just some people. Um, the visual memory is not there. Auditory, that's not there. Like, but I know that I was always hit. So that's that. <laughs> and um, yeah, that really sucked. Cause once again, like I'm put in this, situation where no one is saving me yet everybody knows that this is happening and that started to really mold my mind um children are so impressionable and so you really just want to make sure that as much as you can as a parent um a guardian whoever not that you have to be overly protective but protective to an extent and if they're saying something to you listen and to help and not to judge them or think that they're lying otherwise they will not come back to you and try to open up um, they will take those off and that's how a lot of suicides happen with younger children um so yeah okay <laughs> what when you know obviously some of the stuff that you told me that you dealt with was um obviously anxiety for very very clear reasons what if anything, and I just, I like to include this just because again, there's so many different labels for mental health issues because it comes in so many uh, flavors and varieties, right? So what would you say, or do you know, were the technical, you know, diagnoses for the stuff that you were uh, dealing with? So with this, um, I have never seen a therapist. Now okay. I work in basically the mental health industry. And so because of that, like I know a lot about the different disorders and I do have like close psychologist friends that I do talk to just because when you're working in this industry and like you're talking to other people who have gone through some really horrific things, you tend to sometimes take on that pain and it can really affect your own mind. But I have, I've never been diagnosed with anything, but I do okay. know that I was experiencing anxiety and complex PTSD just because it's something that was um, continuous. Usually complex PTSD is in, I don't have dissociative identity disorder, but it's someone who has dissociative identity disorder has complex PTSD and that disorder also known as multiple personality disorder, but that was renamed a while ago um, just because it's not a personality. It's a different identity. Sorry, really sciencey. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, I'm all but, about that. The only thing I just, I'm sorry, the only thing I want to intervene real quick is just for, I'm assuming a podcast like this is going to attract uh, many different types of people. For those wondering, PTSD is post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Right. So uh, very common in people who have um, seen combat in the military, very common in people who have seen abuse. Uh, it, it's exactly in the name, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder. So there was a trauma and post that, after that trauma, there's still um, these issues with anxiety, depression, stress, or all of those things combined. So, um, so I just wanted to kind of clear that up for okay. anyone wondering. Yeah. So, and also, um, PTSD, it's like you said, exactly what Evan explained. And then complex PTSD is basically 
not just one event. This is happening all of the time. And that's why it's complex because it's just a, a buildup, I guess you can say. And PTSD itself is more just, it can be one event. Sometimes it's not just one. And so it's really the definition of that, like in the DSM is kind of, uh, just, just look that up. Well, you know, you're totally right, because I guess a car accident for some people can trigger PTSD. And you're right. That's a singular event for most people. And then, okay, so I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm learning something myself. It's kind of, kind of cool. You know, I didn't even know those differences between that. So. Yeah, I know. Oh, my goodness. That's why I was explaining dissociative identity disorder, because that disorder is also known as multiple personality disorder, um, is, is formed by someone being ritually abused as a Mm -hmm. child. Um, and it's habitual. So it's all the time and they just have to find a way to make themselves survive. And usually you, your brain is going to always protect you. And the way that it would do that for them is just dissociating. And I will just come in and like swoop in and blend my story with that. Um, so the different symptoms that I had actually, as I grew up, just not dealing with the issue, because for some reason, family abuse is not talked about it happens very, very often, but it's not spoken about. And because of that, you really just have to actually dig to figure out why am I so anxious and why am I so like depressed and all of that. And I had the worst depersonalization and I actually still get it. Um, our mental health journeys never really stop. I feel like it's, we all have a mind and it doesn't stop working. So you're just kind of always to always keep in check with your mental health it's just that i at the time like i had the worst depersonalization and the only way that i could really get through my day was to just dissociate from it could you explain to people like what when you say depersonalization what does that mean okie dokie so Um, alrighty, you guys. So depersonalization is basically, if anyone has ever felt this way, then you wouldn't know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I will try my best to explain. Um, depersonalization is when you feel like you're viewing your world in like a camera. So that's how some people explain it. Another way to explain it is just not feeling a part of yourself you're kind of like you're in a car, your body is a car and usually you're in the driver's seat. So Evan, you're usually driving and cruising along, but let's say you're feeling some anxiety. Um, maybe you see a dog in front and you're afraid of dogs. So what may happen to get you through that? Um, it might not even be a dog, but let's just, whatever. <laughs> um, sure. Maybe depersonalization, you're in the front seat, you're driving, something is maybe seems really uh, scary for you. So you're going to depersonalize. That's what your brain is doing. You put the car in cruise control and you just sit in the back seat and it's still going. It looks like it's operating. Everything looks fine. And you just got through the obstacle that would usually scare you. Um, but you actually weren't really dealing with it. And dissociation, there are different dissociative, um, dissociative disorders themselves. Um, one form of it's on a spectrum so at the least I guess like a number one would kind of be when you're daydreaming and you're just you're just off in space and you're just sitting there and you're like you're there but you're not really there like you're visualizing something else you're like right right so that's like a one on the dissociation type of spectrum and 
be like 10 would be DID. So multiple personality disorder, dissociative identity disorder, um, just because you're taking on a whole different like person, like, and it's, you're just not there. It's someone else is, I guess you can say taking on your memory. And that's um, usually from complex PTSD. I don't have that, but I'm just, ex- just explaining the different things. I think that depersonalization itself would be in the middle, probably about like a five, but I, no one quote me on that. Um, but that's, it would be in the middle. So I would feel all of the time in order for me to actually get through things that made me anxious. And that would usually be going somewhere with tons of people. I don't know what's going to happen. Like who's there? What if um, my cousin is there, abuser? What if my abuser is there? What if I run into them? What do I do? Oh my gosh. And all those thoughts are like anxiety symptoms themselves, the thoughts first, and then you get like the panic attack. Right. Um, And so that would happen. And in order for me to get through that without having to deal with that mindset, I would depersonalize. And I don't really think I did it by choice. It kind of just happened. And when I noticed or dissociate, my bad, (laughs) I would dissociate. Mm -hmm. So when I started to notice that I was doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so crazy. And it's weird because I would, some people say, I should probably see a therapist, (laughs) but some people just to get like a a diagnosis. Um, But some people say that the depersonalization makes them feel like crap Um, and just really numb and not there. For me, when I would experience that, I wouldn't feel that way. I actually felt the most confident I've ever felt and um, just very like uh, the person I actually wanted to be which almost sounds like a different <laughs> diagnosis but um not anymore so I, I'm, I completely deal with things now just myself but during that time I definitely had in order for me to get through things like going to the grocery store or going to school um I had to basically dissociate from it and I just couldn't deal with it and that was just a build-up and I didn't even know where the root cause was until one day I was just like talking on my Instagram story, talking and talking, just so happened to bring up this exact story about my cousin. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when I spoke about it, um, I started to have like a, almost like a frog in your throat, which is one type of like symptom or sign that you're just a little anxious. And like, I was like, oh my God, like that's the cause of all of this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. talk a lot and sorry you guys <laughs> no, that's, that's, oh, the whole point of this and you bring a really interesting perspective because you've done a ton of research and you're obviously educated on it so um it's actually totally more than i was expecting i like the mix of hey here's the story and hey here's some um, information to go with it now the one thing i would ask is i think although there are so many different types of mental health disorders and there are so many different reasons for people having them i am huge on you know, traditional counselors and therapists. So what I mean by that in the traditional sense, I mean like, you know, not even necessarily a psychiatrist. I just mean someone who does more cognitive behavioral therapy type stuff and talks to you one-on-one. Do you think looking back, someone that is dealing with this, because unfortunately we know that there are all too many people out there going through a version of this in one way or another, right? Right now at this time, do you think it'd be beneficial for them to do something with therapy? 
Oh, I really do. I encourage it. And I wish that my mom was just a little more, uh, for some reason, if you've ever grown up in like a Christian home, seeing a doctor or seeing a therapist is almost like, don't do that because you're not, you're no longer believing in God. And that's not the case. Um, if you need help, see someone who actually can, you can still relate to them. You're comfortable with them, but you need to be sure to keep af- like look after yourself. It's very important when you don't get that help. And when you are not talking, just talking it out, whatever it is, it really does build up and it will come out in different ways. Some people, it comes out as them, like they don't know why they have a drug addiction. They don't know why they have a sex addiction, alcohol. It comes out in different ways. Um, for me, I actually had stopped like going to school. And like I said, when I was younger, I love school and I still love education. And that, that wasn't the case. And um, it's just really important to get the help that you need. And don't feel like I'm crazy because I want this help. You're really saving yourself and you're saving other people by getting the help that you need. Because if you can, although it sucks to go through traumatic events and you didn't deserve what you went through, um, if you can just bounce back from that and try to heal what happened and like the broken child or how, whatever your abuse happened or just any traumatic event, um, if you can heal that now and help other people with your story, that, that means a lot. So really like take care of yourself and, you know, CBT is also another, like the um, abbreviation for that. But yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Okay, great. I was just, I was just checking. I figured that was going to be your answer, but I just think that is such an, I don't want to say easy because it is very tough to share your story with anyone, but it's, it's simple. Right. And it is something that I think everyone, the way we go about mental health for any individual person with any individual case is going to be somewhat different. You know, some people are going to need medication, different types of medication. Some are not going to need that, whatever. But I just think therapy is almost like a universal thing. Um, I almost think that every single person, um, especially here in America, could probably benefit from just, you know, talking yes. to someone like that every now and then learning different st- stress reduction techniques and things like that. But that's a whole right separate conversation um, where I want to kind of take this now is what because you know, you kind of talk about how this went on, went on. And obviously, since you didn't see a therapist clearly there had to be a time where we can define, you know, if we're looking at this, you know, for lack of a better way of describing this, everything's going downhill, downhill, downhill with this kind of stuff. Right. Obviously with where you're at now, the kind of dip of that hill ended and you've started to push yourself back up. I totally agree that mental health is kind of like a lifelong thing, you know, and you can quote unquote resolve it as much as you want, but that's still, a part of you. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because depending on how that part of you is used, it can really be used to serve and help other people. But clearly, you know, you're going uphill, kind of up the mountain in a, in a very good, positive way. Where would you say that final moment was between the dip of the hill and now we're going uphill? Like what's the moment where things start kind of turning around and what triggered that? Okie dokie. So it's, um, I remember going into the grocery store, which was hard just to get myself out of the house, but my mom would just tell me, hey, you know, you need to try to get out. Like I would stay in the house. After I graduated high school, I stayed in the house for months at a time. Like I wouldn't really leave. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would just like work out. That was my type of like coping mechanism, just work out all the time. And um, that's why I was, I was like really active on my Instagram during that time. I was really just, I guess, like deflecting from the fact that I wasn't going out. But anyways, I finally went out. I went to the grocery store. It took me a while to get there. I was nervous. And there were a lot of cars in the parking lot. So that automatically started to freak me out. I was like, okay, it's really okay. Um, I didn't, I did not go into any type of like dissociation during that time. Um, so it was just me dealing with it. And I was like, oh my God, okay. Whew, how do we do this? And I was panicking. I seen so many people in the store and I was like, okay, well, let me just for some reason, I wanted to call my mom, just instinct. I wanted to call her. Um, and I, my vision started to get really blurry. And for me, with a panic attack that happens, um, I do wear glasses, but <laughs> it gets a lot more blurry mm-hmm. when it's a panic attack. And I called her and I thought everything was fine. I was like, just talking about, I think she went, I was in the bread aisle with like candy was next to me. And I was just telling her what was happening and like, oh, you know, what do you want? What do you need? Whatever. And she told me just like, calm down. And I was like, I'm really fine. I don't understand what's happening. What's wrong? And she's like, okay, so I think you're having a panic attack right now. And so it's okay. And I was like, what? Like, and she said, I was, my, my words were just speeding and I was kind of like losing it. Uh-huh. And I didn't notice at all. I, I thought I was fine. And I was just, uh, I don't know, just a lot at once, I guess. And my mother actually has panic disorder diagnosed. So um, that's our thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so she was, she told my stepdad, like, maybe he should pick me up. And I was like, I think I'm fine. And I just try to calm myself down in the store. But that moment in my life, I was like, okay, this is a huge issue. I, I can't even grocery shop at this point. And this is embarrassing. Um, so, uh, and I didn't know I was having a panic attack for some, even though my mom had panic disorder, I didn't think that I had it. Um, not sure if I do, but I didn't think that I struggled with anxiety that bad to have a, a panic attack itself. And oh, so that made me look up things on YouTube about, you know, panic disorders, anxiety disorders. And I realized that and depersonalization. Um, and I realized that I could relate to these people 100%. Um, and I felt like, like, it's like a, you know, like the, ah, like, it's kind of like that. It's like, like hey, I moment. finally know. <laughs> no, that's so funny that you said it like that. That's exactly how I describe it. it was like my aha moment because I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Like, it's like that moment of clear clarity where you're like, ah, I like it just snaps. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Um, and so even though, of course, no one wants to have a panic attack, but that really led me to know, okay, this is what the issue is and not to, I know people don't like labels, but just to know exactly what you're going through is something that other people also go through and people know about is um, a really great sense of closure. I guess you could say it and like, you just feel a lot better. Um, And that made me feel better. And I just, looking at people like different youtubers that I actually looked at for years I seen that they also had the same thing that I was going through and I wasn't weird and um because of that I just 
for a little while, not too long, because for some reason, uh, if I would look at those videos for too long, then I would actually kind of like trigger myself into a panic attack. So that kind of sucked. Sure. But um, uh, yeah, so I was just really into that and realized that, hey, it's okay. And now I know when I'm actually dissociating and having new personalization, I won't feel like myself. And I started to just spend time with myself like meditation and like praying and just really being in tune with my spirit and myself. And when I did that, there was one day I woke up and like the word twa came to me actually. And I had like officially, I felt free and I had officially loved myself. And I was like, I have to do something with like this word because that was a word that came to me, which is how twa magazine came to be. It's actually one French way to say you even though you would usually say like boo or whatever but toi is another one and um yeah so that's <laughs> that's that that was my aha moment I finally got help and things weren't as bad as I okay. thought they were you know, going and you kind of just touched on this but that's the next part I wanted to get into like yeah what were after the aha comes you know the resolution and, and the different coping mechanisms so you said you know, meditation, prayers. And honestly, let's be honest, meditation is more, in, in my opinion, it really is just prayer without the um, religious you know, connotation yeah. to it. I, I think those are actually very similar things as someone who um, kind of practices in both. So would yeah. you say that those were the two main things or what else would you say has helped you kind of on your journey to get to where you're at now, which is obviously a much um, better place? Those were the two main things. And it probably seems like, oh my God, like that's almost not realistic, but those are really the two main things. It brought me a sense of peace, just knowing that everything's going to be okay. And I am here. I am in tune with myself. Another thing actually was just going for my passion, which is weird, but just focusing on something else and doing what you love. Um, helping other people. And so as I started to help other people and speak about this issue, then I just, my confidence came back and I no longer had to dissociate to have that confidence. To right. pretend, like, pretend like I was someone else in order to, or not be myself to have confidence. Um, and I felt like I had the reins on anxiety. Um, to this day, just for me to be completely honest and real with people, because sometimes people feel like they shouldn't share their story if they're not like 100% healed. But I don't feel like those things go away all the way. Um, I feel like there could be like little speckles of like symptoms that you may have, but you just know how to deal with it now. And so sometimes I still will have a little anxiety before I leave my house. And, but I don't let it stop me. Like that's the huge difference. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so just knowing, having that knowledge, knowledge really is power and knowing how your brain works different. Uh, uh, just, just that pretty much knowing your mind, know exactly what you've gone through. That really helped me and okay. talking helped me too. So. Awesome. Awesome. What is one thing? And I know this is kind of tough because you were obviously very young and we only have so much power back then, but what would you say if you had to come up with it is the one thing that, you know, God forbid that eight, nine year old kid is listening to this audio and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is me. And, and they don't know what to do. What would you, if you could go back and change, what would you change so that you 
could have gotten out of that situation quicker if if that's even you think possible um to get out of the situation quicker probably just it's it's hard just because i like work with people who have been in abusive situations and they tell people constantly that they need help and they still don't get it and when you're younger you can only do so much right but i think that i would for myself just say just every day tell someone exactly when it happens even if you feel like no one's gonna help you and even if they haven't helped you just almost like nag that hey this person's doing this to me every every time they do it just say something and like maybe um write it down I don't really know like just something to where the point can be made so that way it's not like you didn't try to cry for help and you won't put the blame on yourself. Um, okay, sure. That's yeah. good. I mean, yeah, I, because I honestly, I, the reason I asked is because I just, that's a tough situation. Like, what is the eight-year-old supposed to do? Call the cops? I mean, they could, but, yeah, but that's then it's a, a scary situation. Thing, and it's like way worse. Yeah. But and some people fear that. Like some people don't call the cops because they don't want to be put in foster care. And it's just, of course. and that sucks yeah. because then you're thinking, okay, like, what do I do? Like, do I just put up with it or do I call the cops? And then I potentially will into an even more situation because a lot of foster care homes are a lot more abusive than the home that you're in so um yeah it's just just always talk to someone that you really feel comfortable with um and tell them every single time when something happens just tell them so that way that almost not that you're manipulating manipulating them but they will know and they will eventually this sounds bad but they will eventually almost feel bad that that's happening to you and they will eventually do something because nothing was done for me. But I also didn't say that this was happening all the time just because that one time I did speak out, nothing was done for me. And I just was like, okay, F it. I'll do it myself. And even after that, and I think maybe a little bit now, I just feel like I have to deal with things myself and I don't need someone else to do it just because during that time, my brain kind of shaped that no one's going to help me. So I need to just do it myself. Okay. And like, yeah. So, got it. <laughs> so, guys, it's always hard. Um, even when you know, I share my personal story, when I hear others share their stories, it's kind of hard because these are serious things, right? And these are very real things that people went through. So, it, it's always a little tough to make the transition. But um, I think Autumn has just given us some serious value, both with like the educational side and with the story itself. But I want to because I know where she's at now and, it, and it's really awesome and it's really inspiring. I want to kind of just, you know, let you do your thing here where you talk about this magazine and I know you kind of talked about, you know, Hey, you got that almost that message uh, after waking up for the twa, but you know, exactly. What does that mean? What do you do with that? And I just want people to understand fully what that is. And then after you explain that, just show them how they can kind of get in contact with that or learn more about it. Sure. So Twa magazine came when I had my aha moment, I guess you can say. And um, the thing is, it wasn't like a, a smooth transition. It kind of just, I, I mean, eh, like I didn't, oh, I'm going to do a mental health magazine and bam, like it was mainly just like, I really just wanted to talk about anxiety and it turned out to be something great um, just because so many people dealt with it. And what Twa magazine does is we just, it's a mental health and lifestyle magazine that focuses on 
things that may not seem like lifestyle based to some people because usually lifestyle is like fashion and furniture but lifestyle to me are things that people actually go through and people actually people people <laughs> people actually go through mm-hmm. physical sexual abuse domestic violence um ocd different issues and that's a part of your life like I don't know anyone who hasn't gone through one single thing. We go through different things because everyone, everyone's perception of trauma is different. Therefore, you at one point, you need help with your mind. At one point in your life, you need some help. And I don't think that people can actually deny that. Everyone has a mind. And if you don't control your mind, then it's just going to just, I don't know, just kind of go haywire on you. And so we really just try to focus on helping people have the platform to say verbatim because we don't edit anything. And I really appreciate that you don't edit anything either. Mm-hmm. Evan. Um, we don't edit their words. They tell their story and they help other people to do the same. And that's basically you being vulnerable to help someone else have that hope that they really need because in those dark situations, like it's, it does seem very hopeless. And I know that some people want to stay positive and on all that stuff, but I think that acknowledging that you were hurt is the first step to actually being positive. And so that's pretty much just our mission is just to help people to know that a mental health issue or diagnosis is not, it doesn't define you and you can still prosper with your life afterwards, but we need to recognize that there has been a problem and that we were hurt in the past. And so, yeah. Got it. And where can they find that? You can go to on Instagram. It's Twa Magazine. So T-O-I period magazine. And our website is actually Boutique of Twa. Just because, like I said, I didn't start off with, bam, this is mental health. We actually started off as lingerie at first. Weird, I know. But <laughs> hey, you're a business was, lady. <laughs> you know. So, so it's www. And it's free to look at online but it's also in print and it's international and so anyone can get it in print and you can see it online for free of course www.boutique b-o-u-t-i-q-u-e of o-f t-o-i.com and we talk about schizophrenia from actual survivors and we also mix in the professional opinion of therapists and psychologists who actually care because some of them just want to have their job for the money which does suck when they don't actually have like a passion for what they're doing um but we talk to the actual people just so you know that you don't you're not alone and uh yeah so we talk about schizophrenia eating disorders um dissociative identity disorder which we did in our last issue in our recent issue that comes out april 10th speaks on sexual awareness i'm sorry sexual assault awareness mm-hmm. not just sexual awareness um, and so speaking with survivors and how to deal with the aftermath and the mental weight of being sexually assaulted, because it's not as simple as being aware that it does happen. I think that a lot of people know that people get raped and things like that, but do we actually know how to tame, not tame, but just move, not move on, but just try to like take your power back and live your life again after that happens. It's not easy, especially if we try to deny that things have happened and people are telling us that like you know oh if you see a therapist like you are crazy that it, it you know so yeah, yeah. Well, that is so cool and guys like remember autumn is uh 21 years old and has pulled all this off so i just think that's like 
you know, she talks about it like it's completely normal. I just think it's so powerful that she was able to do this. I mean, a magazine is not by any means an easy business to run uh, ever, let alone in 2019 when everyone's kind of glued to the computer. So I think that's even more impressive. But it's it's cool because hearing you talk about that, even just giving um, the website URL and stuff, there's there's so much passion behind that. And it's so clear you know, that you were able to kind of take this and channel it and turn it into something positive, which I'm super passionate about. I think that's awesome. So guys, again, on Instagram, that's at Twa Magazine, which is T-O-I period uh, magazine. And then boutiqueoftwa.com is the website. Autumn, one last thing. What is, and if it's something that you've already said and you just want to reiterate, that's fine. But what is the one message, no matter what, that you want to get out to people like, what do you want them to know, um, just like from autumn to the world? I would definitely want people to know that you need to be in tune with your mind and you do need to know yourself very deeply before you kind of know almost anyone else. Um, this really affects your entire life when you don't know how your mind operates. And it does affect your children because if you don't know how to deal with your own issues, you bring that onto your children and your children suffer. And that's how the mental health, like, uh, the whole, it's almost like a plague. Like if you don't, if you don't see what's wrong, someone else is going to start hurting and it's just going to keep going and going and going because no one's acknowledging that there's a problem. So if you need help, if you need to talk to someone, then call a hotline or see a therapist, someone who can be there for you, but Stay in tune with yourself and know exactly why you do the things that you do. That would be my one message. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Guys, if you or someone you love is in a crisis situation or not even a crisis situation, but a situation where you do not feel like you have anyone else to talk to and you're dealing with some type of mental health issue or um, abuse or serious situation, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline toll-free uh, 365 days a year, 24-7, is 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, but don't let that name uh, deceive you. You do not have to be in a suicidal situation to call them. They are awesome trained professionals who will help you kind of through any issue, and I think they're very useful if you need support for someone else. Uh, there's also the crisis text line now. So you could text connect or you could text hello to 741-741. So that's text connect or text hello to 741-741. And it is basically just the text version of that where there is a someone on the other line who's going to kind of help you uh, through whatever situation uh, that is. But guys, I am just, you know, I'm so impressed when people are able to kind of come on and be vulnerable like that in the name of helping other people. Autumn has actually never fully, as uh, she told me, shared her story publicly like that before. So the fact, Autumn, that you were able to come on and do that uh, so fluently and with a lot of confidence, but still being vulnerable, uh, that was super powerful. I cannot tell you how much um, I appreciate having you on. Guys, this has been Evan Transu and Autumn Farr with the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. Uh, we will see you guys next week with our next guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, 